We love to explain quantum physics and the mysteries of the universe, but the mysteries of finance, not so much. Intuit helps you demystify your finances through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Understanding standard deductions or interest rates can be very complicated and tricky with big potential consequences. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Plus. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Jorge, doesn't it feel like every day there's something new to worry about? What do you mean? Like what? Well, you know that we got forest fires in California, we got super hurricanes, we got crazy political situations, we have financial uncertainty. You have that whole question about whether Spider-Man's going to be part of the Marvel Universe. I mean, (laughs) that one's got me worried. (laughs) I know these things could rock our world. Well, unfortunately, I've got a new thing for you to worry about. I feel like every podcast is a new one, Daniel, <laughs> that I should that I need to worry about. But w- what do you mean this time? Are you talking about aliens coming from space to eat us? Or Oh, no, that's something I would look forward over? to. No, no. This is... Getting <laughs> <laughs> eaten by aliens? <laughs> the arrival of aliens. You know, I would gladly offer up civilization, our civilization as a meal for aliens if they give us some secrets of the universe. Let's not elect Daniel to office. <laughs> He's not running. In 2020. Well, no, it turns out that we need to worry about the weather, but not just the weather here on Earth, the weather in space. Hey, I'm back. This is Jorge. I'm a cartoonist and the creator of PhD Comics. Hi, I'm Daniel Whiteson. I'm a particle physicist, and I'm pleased to be the co-host 
of this podcast. And welcome to the podcast, Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe, a production of iHeartRadio. In which we talk about everything that's amazing and crazy and wonderful and scary and reassuring about our bonkers universe and try to give you an understanding that really settles to the bottom of your brain. So yeah, I'm back. Thanks for holding down the fort, Daniel. I was gone for a couple of weeks there. Well, thank you very much for coming back. I think listeners of the podcast are relieved to have you back. Well, certainly they have more laughs and less physics. More cartoonists per podcast. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> that's pretty good value right there. That's right. And, you know, frankly, I was getting tired of deflecting everybody's questions about where you were. Another mystery of the universe you had to keep explaining. I know I love answering emails and I love answering questions, but some of these questions I didn't know how to answer. People were asking me if I had kidnapped you and traded you to aliens for some enormous pile of bananas. <laughs> Which did happen, some, did happen once, but not this time. <laughs> That's right. No, people were, people were pretty curious. Yeah, I hope nobody was really concerned. Um, basically, I just had to go take a nap. Basically, <laughs> is, is what happened. Maybe people weren't aware that, that cartoonists have a different life cycle. They hibernate. So, you know, they fill up all summer and then sleep for six weeks in the winter. Yeah. Yeah. Every six years, we have to take a two-month nap. <laughs> That's right. And so, folks, he's coming back to you extra refreshed, extra funny, extra hilarious. And for those of you who are worried that I had done something to Jorge, that I had kidnapped him, uh, I hope you hear the relief in my voice at his return. Yeah, no, actually what happened was uh, Daniel and I have several big projects going on and, and one of them just kind of needed a little bit of extra attention. So I, I had to step away from the mic a little bit. But uh, it sounds like you guys had a lot of fun while I was gone. We had uh, You had a lot of fun guests and, and Crystal Dilworth came in and, and covered for me. Yeah, Crystal is our guest host and we had some fun conversations about the cosmic microwave background and other stuff. And my friend Matt came by the podcast and uh, then I had a few on my own. And let me tell you, it was challenging having a conversation with myself. But yeah, I'm back and I'm, and I'm back for the foreseeable future, at least until Daniel kidnaps me again. Until the intergalactic banana space pirates come and offer to trade you for secrets of the universe. So uh, today we're going to be talking about, uh, it seems like yet another thing we should be worried about coming from space to harm us or affect us. That's right. Um, most of the time we can live in this little bubble we call Earth and not worry too much about what's going on out there in the universe. I mean, we know because we've listened to the podcast that there are crazy things happening in the center of galaxies and enormous violent things happening in the center of stars. But we don't often think about that because we can just ignore everything that happens above the atmosphere and just sort of go about our everyday life. It seems like that there are always other things happening in the universe, right? Like we, we don't just live in a bubble. We live in a solar system with stuff flying around and with other uh, celestial things out there making noise and throwing things. That's right. We do live in a bubble. It's a magnetic bubble. The Earth's magnetic field protects us from most of the stuff that's happening out there, but it's not perfect. And sometimes this incredible force field actually does get penetrated by crazy things happening out there in space, and we have to pay attention. And so today on the podcast, we'll be talking about... What is space weather? Is it usually sunny? Does it rain out in space? <laughs> what, did, what exactly does that mean, Daniel? Yeah, I think it's a fascinating topic. You know, what is space weather? What does it mean? How does it affect us? What precautions can we take? Can we predict it? You know, can you go on an app and figure out what's going to be happening in space in the next week or two? 
Um, and I think it, it helps just connect you to the larger context, you know, uh, weather events here on earth help you understand what's happening nearby. Like, oh, it's not raining here, but it is raining over there. It gives you a sort of a sense of the larger context and space weather is sort of a generalization of that. It gives us a sense for what's happening in the solar system, what's going on. Like, what is it like to be on Venus today? Right. And, you know, whether our local station can come up with a, a pretty cool sounding name for technology to predict it, like uh, Doppler Space Radar 3000. <laughs> That's right. Pretty soon we're going to have a uh, arms race between local weather stations to have fancier sounding technologies. It's a quantum Doppler uh, pulsar uh, gamma <laughs> 3000 million Doppler we're, was that just all the tech words you can think of? <laughs> that's it. That was a mind down. dump right there. <laughs> that was that. That's it. That's that's all that's in my head at this moment. Well, let's see if Jorge can do better than the average person on the street at UC Irvine. So I walked around and I wondered, do people even know that space weather is a thing? What do they think it is? And I asked people at UC Irvine, is there weather out in space? What does that even mean? So think about it for a second. If someone approached you and asked you, if there is weather in space, what would you answer? Here's what people had to say. Is there weather in space? I mean, just because the question exists, I'm assuming so. I haven't heard anything about it. Uh, what would that be like? What does that mean, weather in space? Um, I would guess just like shifts in like antimatter and how much is like concentrated in certain spaces, which could affect, I don't know, movement of comets or just like anything. I just assume uh, weather as in storms or rain and wind, yeah. things, things at that level. No, I don't think there is. No? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not sure about space, but I know that there's weather patterns on specific planets, mm -hmm. but I don't know about the overall atmosphere. I have no clue. I'd say yes, because it's so big. I, there has to be some somewhere. Um, I think so. Yes, solar winds. Solar winds. Okay, what are solar winds? Uh, huge pulses of electromagnetic radiation from a sun or a star. Okay, so it's radiation, not particles? Um, yeah, for the most part, radiation. And does that affect us here on Earth? Not really, because we have the, um, the magnetic field of Earth shielding us from that. I feel like there there is a chance that there is, like, uh, like water and stuff up there, so that means that there is weather. I've heard of the idea of it, but I don't know personally. I have heard of space weather. I know you have solar winds, large coronal ejections, and um, bombarding the whole solar system all the time and hits the Earth, and the uh, magnetic field from the Earth deflects it to the poles, and this is, this is when you see the northern lights. It can also affect our communications on Earth, our satellites. So what do you think of these answers, Jorge? Well, it seems that uh, it seems pretty um, common sense. A lot of people assume that there would be weather in other planets, but maybe people seem skeptical that there would be weather in like actual space, in the space between planets. So that's pretty reasonable, right? Yeah, that is pretty reasonable. Yeah, like I've seen movies where there's stor there are storms and, and Mars and and, you know, I imagine you look at a picture of Jupiter, there's swirling clouds. So, you know, the idea that there's weather out there is not uh, weird to me, but, and to other people, it seems. But um, the idea that there might be weather, like, in the vacuum of space, that's, that's a little bit more hard to understand. Yeah, and the topic of weather on other planets is really fascinating 
Because, of course, we'd like to understand, are those planets livable? Could we ever move there? And can we watch the clouds on other planets and use that to understand what's in the atmosphere? Is there water there? That's a whole other fascinating topic that we're going to dig into in a future podcast. But you're right. Today, we're talking right. about the sort of weather between planets. And some people said, you know, well, there's no water up there so in space. So how could there mm. be weather? Uh, so I think you're right, people. So today I'm hoping we're going to expand people's sense for what weather means. It's not just rain and sun. I like the person who said, uh, I have no clue, but I'm going to say yes, just because space is so big. <laughs> I like that answer because it could apply to anything. Like, do you think there are purple <laughs> elephants in space? Well, it's pretty big. So, yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. My brain says no, but hey, space is big. So, <laughs> yes. And, you know, and that's a pretty safe answer, right? Isn't it? Yeah, it is. Because if space is infinite, then everything that can exist will exist. And there probably are purple elephants out there. There's probably a planet where it rains purple elephants. Oh, boy, you need a bigger umbrella for that. <laughs> That's right. Well, one time on the podcast, we were speculating about whether it rains diamonds somewhere. We were laughing about that as an absurdity. And then somebody wrote in and said, actually, it rains diamonds here in our solar system. What? Yeah, I think it's on Uranus. Well, that's cool. I, I think you would need like an umbrella that's inverted to catch all the diamonds. <laughs> I don't think diamonds are worth that much if it's raining diamonds. I think on Uranus, you got to <laughs> use a different kind of engagement ring. Maybe water crystals, right? Like an ice cube. It's a whole different market there. <laughs> that's right. De Beers has not managed to corner that market. Right. So let's uh, let's get into it, Daniel. So there's apparently a thing called space weather is, is what I'm hearing from you. And that, uh, that means there's weather in space and it might actually affect us on a daily basis. Might even cause you to lose cell phone signal, which is like, wow, fatal. Everybody's suddenly alert. What? Uh, huh? This is actually relevant <laughs> yeah. to me? Are I'm you like, talking about? <laughs> what? Yeah, in fact, right now there might be a... <laughs> you are totally gaslighting our listeners there, Jorge. Weather, <laughs> weather event that might cause this podcast to uh, skip, a, skip a beat. No, it's true because space is not empty. We talk about this a lot. And it's not empty on several levels, of course. Any arbitrary piece of vacuum is actually filled with fluctuating quantum fields, which is amazing. But, but space itself is even filled with particles and all sorts of energy. Of course, it's very not dense. It's very sparse compared to the atmosphere around our planet. But there is stuff out there. And specifically, it's dominated by stuff that comes from the sun. And so there's two major things we think about when we think about space weather, and that's the solar wind and the solar radiation. Because I think you were telling me earlier that, um, you know, for us, space is at least what we call space around the Earth is pretty much dominated by the sun. Like, you know, we're just a small speck compared to the sun, which um, is this giant explosion. And so pretty much uh, when you say space weather, you, you really mean sort of like sun weather. That's right, because the sun doesn't just pour out photons for us and for you to get a nice tan. It spews out a huge amount of stuff. It spews out particles like protons and electrons at very high speed. And this is what we call the solar wind. And, you know, it's not a great name for it because it's really like a solar particle flux or something. But they call it the solar wind. Like a solar jet, maybe. Yeah, yeah, solar eruption or solar farts or something. I'm not sure what. Yeah. <laughs> solar farts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is a new scientific term. Well, it might be appropriate because it comes from the digestion of those gases in the sun, right? So, hey, and maybe it's just because I'm married to a biologist who studies, you know, digestion and stuff that I have this stuff on right. my brain. I would have gone with solar burps. <laughs> 
Um, either way, the sun puts out a lot of particles, like actual mass, right? Not just radiation. There's lots of radiation as well, but there's also solar particles. And these particles fly through the solar system and they call it the solar wind. And it's important. Uh, it's a big factor in how you can survive out there in space. And also sometimes it penetrates down to the earth. Now, is it sort of like a clouds? Like, does it form clouds out there? Like, is it, am I, is it can you imagine like swirling you know, clouds or, or mists of these particles kind of swirling around us? Or, or is it pretty much just like a jet going through us? They're moving really fast. So they just basically fly away from the sun in straight lines. So if you want to visualize it, just imagine like the sun has a billion guns and each one is shooting protons and electrons out in every direction. Wow. And, but we have like kind of, kind of a force field, right? Like we, um, you're saying that our magnetic field kind of deflects some of, the, some of these particles. That's right. We have a multi-layer force field. First of all, we have our atmosphere. That's sort of the closest thing. And any particle that makes it to the atmosphere is going to bang into all the other particles, right? So that protects you at some level. But even before it gets to the atmosphere, it has to penetrate our magnetic field. And remember, charged particles, protons and electrons have a charge, will bend when they hit a magnetic field. So because we have a magnetic field, most of this stuff bends around the Earth rather than even hitting our atmosphere. So we are very grateful to our magnetic field. If we didn't have one, like Mars has very, very small one, then the solar wind would basically blow our atmosphere away. All right. So when you say space weather, you mean solar flares and solar winds. That's right. So the key thing is there's stuff out there in space. The sun is pumping out radiation and particles. And the reason we call it weather is because it's not fixed. It's not like it's the same every day. It varies. And so just like the weather, which is the product of very complex systems interacting and hard to predict, the stuff put out by the sun is also variable and hard to predict and has a big impact on us. So that's why we call it space weather. It's not just because I think it's unpredictable. It's also sort of the result of weather in the sun, right? Like you can almost think of these solar flares and these solar winds as coming from whatever is happening in the surface of the sun that's sort of like um, sun weather, right? Yeah, or sun moods, right? We, we don't understand the sun. The sun is a huge mystery. Like the most important thing in our solar system, we don't understand how it works. And this, it's a huge ball of plasma. And because it's plasma, it's ionized particles, it's charged particles. And charged particles, remember, when they move, they generate magnetic fields. And so the sun has this enormous magnetic field that comes from this boiling pot of plasma that it has encapsulated by this gravitational trap. And it generates this magnetic field. But that magnetic field is also not static because it comes from this ri constantly writhing, hot, boiling mass. So it's like churning all the time and sometimes it burps. That's kind of what a solar flare is. Yeah. Imagine like a really thick pot of tomato soup like your Italian grandmother might make. You know, it's slowly bubbling. I'm an and Italian grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> the sort of, I should you know, tell my parents. Everybody's Italian grandmother, you know, um, or the stereotypical Italian grandmother in, you know, TV shows. That's as close as I come to having an Italian grandmother. Anyway, bubbling tomato soup eventually forms one of these bubbles and it pops and it sprays tomato soup everywhere. So you can sort of imagine the sun oh, is the same way. And it, uh, right. and sometimes it has this bright burst of, of really hot, bright light. And sometimes it actually shoots out like bits of the sun into space. Really? Like the, the plasma inside, like the hydrogen and the whatever it's made out of. Yeah. So the plasma is mostly protons and electrons. And sometimes something happens called a coronal mass ejection. And it vomits out like a billion kilograms of plasma. And it just spews it out into space at like thousands of kilometers per second. 
Oh, wow. You said uh, solar vomit. Is that also a scientific term? Like, um, <laughs> I feel like the sun has a lot of stomach problems here. It's burping, it's vomiting, it's farting. <laughs> <laughs> Some people like to try to understand it in analogy to weather on Earth. I think it's maybe a better analogy to call it, you know, digestion. Like the sun is digesting all of this hydrogen and uh, it doesn't always go smoothly. Maybe the sun should try a gluten-free diet. I hear that. <laughs> The sun has celiac disease, is that what you're saying? <laughs> Maybe you should try a hydrogen-free diet, because I think that's the problem. That might be trouble, though. Yeah. You don't have any energy, right? Yeah, exactly. But this is not something rare. This happens on the sun. Very These coronal mass ejections, they happen either once a week or like up to four times a day, depending on the solar cycle. The sun has a cycle that lasts about every 11 years. It flips its magnetic field, and it gets really active, and then it goes quieter again. And I think a lot of people have probably seen these in photographs. Like if you see a photograph of the sun, don't look at the sun directly, you won't be able to see them. But if you see photographs with special lenses of the sun, you'll see like this big fiery ball, but then you'll see like these loops that come off of the sun and then come back around that are kind of like, um, kind of like a cow lake on your hair. Yeah. Or like a big bubble of hot tomato sauce. Maybe I shouldn't do these podcasts just before lunch. I think a lot of people have seen these, right? Like that's mm -hmm. what a solar flare is. It burps out stuff, but then it comes back around. And so it, it forms little loops. Yeah. And there's really two different things. There's the solar flare. A solar flare is just in, increased in brightness, like more photons, like a bright flash of light. And a, and a oh. coronal mass ejection, that's when it actually spews out material. That's when it spews out this plasma into space and you get those loops of stuff. Oh, I see. All right. But they're both sort of the same. They're both the same burp. Well, we don't really understand is the amazing thing. I mean, the sun is the most important thing in our cosmic neighborhood, but it's something we still do not understand. There's, as I was saying before, there's these magnetic fields and people think that sometimes these magnetic fields get twisted and there's like tension in them. And then they can like slide back into place and release that tension. And that might be what causes the solar flares. It might be what causes these coronal mass ejections, but we don't actually know. And we've noticed that sometimes you get these coronal mass ejections more often when you have solar flares, but not all the time. So it's a big mystery. It's a current topic of research. Okay, so they're not necessarily tied together. You know, sometimes the sun can just, might just spew out extra energy for no reason at all. And sometimes you might get these crazy giant loops. Yeah, and sometimes you can get these solar flares without coronal mass ejections. And these flares, uh -huh. they're huge. Like these sunspots, these spots on the sun that are brighter or darker, they're like, you know, 300 times the size of the Earth. These are enormous features. Um, it's it's wow. hard to wrap your mind around how big the sun is. And so, of course, when it fluctuates, it can really affect life here on Earth. All right, so the, the sun sometimes has these burps or vomits or farts, and that can cause flares or sunspots or coronal mass ejections, which sort of sound like a heart attack. But um, I don't recommend them. But, but basically, <laughs> yeah, basically, it throws out stuff into space, and that's what we call space weather. And that space weather can uh, affect us here on Earth in pretty dramatic ways. Absolutely. It's a big factor in our life, and it can, it can even kill you. So let's get into how space weather affects us. But first, let's take a quick break. Physicists are famously sticklers for detail. And when it comes to the fine print contracts and hidden fees from wireless providers, I've learned that there's always a catch somewhere. So when I heard that the Mint Mobile wireless plans are just $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, where's the catch? But now I'm convinced 
There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online, so they cut out the cost of retail stores and they pass all those savings directly to you. So you can say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, draw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. All of Mint Mobile's plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month go to mintmobile.com slash universe that's mintmobile.com slash universe cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash universe additional taxes fees and restrictions apply see Mint Mobile for details how do you feel about eating plastic if you went to a restaurant and saw plastic on the menu would you order it well turns out that we're all eating and drinking roughly a credit card's worth of plastic every week yep that's right the products we're using every day are ultimately contaminating our water supply, generating hundreds of microplastics that we end up ingesting. Yuck. Well, what can we do about it? Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. It's not complicated. Refillable cleaning products without sacrificing on design. Their products have a beautiful, cohesive style that looks great on your counter. My family got the sampler pack and it already smelled great when we opened the box. Everything works super well, stuff gets really clean, and it's all super easy to use. So it's no extra hassle in our lives and we feel great knowing we're generating less plastic waste. Blue Land has a special offer for listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash universe. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash universe for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash universe to get 15% off. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. All right, we're talking about space weather and how it impacts us. So, Daniel, uh, how does space weather affect us? Does it mean like you have to bring out a take out an umbrella with UV protection every once in a while? What does that mean? Well, it depends a little bit on how you live your life. Uh, but one of my favorite stories about space weather is sort of how the phrase was coined. It was like 150 years ago, 1859, there was an enormous coronal mass ejection, like the biggest one ever in recorded history. And it sent so much energy in terms of particles raining down here on Earth that they, they, they created sparks from the telegraph network. And so people who were using the telegraph network at the time got zapped. And there were sparks flying everywhere and actually started a bunch of forest fires. So did they notice this um, coronal mass ejection? Like, did they see a giant loop in the sun? Yeah, they were studying the sun and they saw this. And at the same time, they observed all this stuff happening here on Earth. And that was the first time 
they realized, hold on a second, maybe something that happens on the sun, it can actually affect us down here. And until then, they thought, oh, we can study the sun. It's interesting. Obviously, it puts out light for us to get, uh, for us to enjoy and to feed our plants and everything. But they hadn't really connected observable stuff on the sun with phenomena here on Earth until then. That's when they knew, like, hey, the sun burps, watch out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Everybody duck under the table if you hear the sun's stomach start to rumble. Plug your nose if the sun burps. <laughs> and that's the most direct connection. Like, the sun is shooting out protons and electrons. And sometimes those protons can get pushed out really fast by one of these coronal mass injections and then accelerated by the sun's magnetic field. And then they can be strong enough to get through our magnetic field and come down here to Earth. Wow. And so what was happening at that time? Like the, the particles came in and somehow they, how did they make sparks in the telegraph network? Like, did they somehow supercharge the cables or something? What was going on? Well, there's two things that can happen there. One is you just get an enormous amount of energy dumped into the atmosphere and that ionizes atoms as so you have free electrons just running around. And the other thing is that it can create strong magnetic fields for the same reason. And that can create um, electric pulses. And so you have, I see. Yeah, if you have wires out there and lots of high, highly energized electrons, you're basically creating lightning and then, you know, you're connected to these wires. And so you're looking to get zapped. Oh, so it just sort of like it showers us with energy, which creates, which just kind of amps everything up and that energy has to go somewhere. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Mm. And so back then, the thing we were most sensitive to was the telegraph network. But these days we have an enormous communications network that's very sensitive to this kind of pulses. You can affect the magnetic field here on Earth. You can uh, affect anything that essentially bounces signals around the atmosphere. And anything that has electronics can get zapped. So like my cell phone, I mean, it has circuits in it, but if it gets showered by particles, those, all the electrons going through those circuits can somehow sort of, um, what, get you know, frozen or? It could get fried because your your cell phone is not built to handle high pulses of electricity. It's not, it's assuming that your, the battery in the cell phone is not going to try to kill the cell phone. And so if some, uh, if some strong magnetic field comes and whips up basically a mini electric storm in your cell phone, then yeah, it can fry your cell phone. And it's not just enhanced electromagnetic fields, it's actual particles too. Remember that we talked about how radiation can damage things? It's like a billion tiny bullets. Each one can damage your DNA, but they can also damage electronics, which have become super miniaturized. Most electronic systems are sensitive to radiation, but very few are actually protected against it. Of course, it's not as strong near the surface as it is near the top of the atmosphere because our atmosphere helps diffuse it a little bit. But we have, for example, satellite technology that's up there in space. And if there's bad solar weather, it can destroy a huge amount of satellite technology. I think a billion dollars worth of damage is done every year by solar storms. A billion dollars. A billion dollars. So there's big money. Wow in predicting solar weather. Like if you know a solar storm is coming, you can shut down your satellite or, you know, close it up in some way to protect it or move it out of the way even. Um, there's a huge amount of money in predicting solar weather. Wow. So you could spend a lot of money putting up satellites up there, but it, they might get fried. You, they will get fried, yeah. And of course, it's not just satellites that will get fried. If you have people up there and a solar storm comes, that means a huge dose of radiation. We can be talking about 10 or 100 times as much radiation as an astronaut will usually get. And, you know, out there in space, you're already accumulating more radiation than you do, do here on Earth because you're not protected by the atmosphere and the magnetic field. And so it can be a right. fatal pulse. And it goes through like the, the walls of the space station, too. 
Yeah, it takes a lot of energy to protect yourself from this radiation because it has a lot of energy. The only way to stop it is to have enough material between you and it that it can absorb that energy. So they have special right. places, for example, on the International Space Station that have heavy shielding. They can't shield the entire thing or the whole thing uh. would be too heavy to be up in space. But they have like a safe room, basically. And if they can tell the astronauts fast enough that this dose is coming, they all scramble to the safe room to protect themselves. Kind of like a tornado... What do you call it? Tornado basement or tornado safe zone? That's right. But I don't think the space station has a basement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, they, it does. It's just upstairs. You're right. It's the it's attic. Just yeah. backwards. It's the metaphorical yeah. tornado basement on the space station. Yeah. I love that. That's hilarious. Well, I like that the idea of a space tornadoes. Is that a thing? Can we can we make it a thing? I think we should write that can science fiction novel. Yep, absolutely. It, don't tell everybody. That's the project you were talking about when you said you had to go away for six weeks, right? That's right. I was working on space tornadoes. Yeah, that's that's for our next movie, Space Twister. <laughs> that's right. And then the sequel, Space Tornado with Sharks, right? <laughs> yeah, Space Sharknado. <laughs> Or galactic, maybe galactic Sharknado, just to up it up. Yeah, but the aliens are sharks somehow, and they travel here in a wormhole that's kind of like a tornado. Hey, you know what? This started as a joke, but I think it's actually a pretty good idea. <laughs> hey, we have a new project, guys. <laughs> but you know, space weather isn't all bad. Uh, if you get these particles coming into the atmosphere, they don't all just penetrate the atmosphere. Some of them still do spiral around the magnetic field and end up in the North Pole. And then you get extra solar, and you get extra northern lights, this aurora borealis, these glow in the atmosphere of green and blue and crazy dancing lights. Those are very spectacular in a solar storm. So space weather can be pretty. I mean, it might be killing some astronauts out there, but hey, you might get a better picture. Yeah, that's right. You know, on this podcast, we try to look at the bright side of the universe. Even fatal doses of radiation can look pretty in some contexts. But, you know, just like you shouldn't be shooting hurricanes, please also don't shoot the northern lights. So it sounds like it affects electronics out there in space and astronauts in space. Maybe you were saying even people in airplanes might get an extra dose of radiation. But is it something that I have to worry about on an everyday basis? Like, should I check the space weather before I go to the beach? Um, it does matter a lot for airplanes. You're right. And we should talk about that because people aren't probably aware that every time you fly in an airplane, you do get an extra dose of radiation just because you're higher up in the atmosphere. And if you happen to be in the atmosphere when there's one of these solar storms, it can be a serious health issue. And in addition, it can knock out the communications of your airplane. And this happens sometimes. Yeah, planes rely on uh, navigation technology, which can be useless in a solar storm because it relies on things like bouncing signals off the atmosphere. And when a solar storm comes, it basically makes ripples in the atmosphere. And so these signals don't bounce cleanly, they scatter instead of reflecting. And so there's, there's been times when planes have had to fly without these signals. Sometimes these outages are minutes, sometimes these things are days long. And so your plane could be out there flying without the necessary navigational technology, thanks to the sun's burp. But the pilot's still, uh, you know, he's okay. He's or she's okay, they're they're still steer, steering the plane, right? Oh, yeah, they just close their eyes and hope, you know? Okay, good. You no, know, planes all have many ways to navigate and lots of backup systems. But when you lose one, then you're more reliant on the others. Um, but yes, oh, in addition, boy. it can affect you down here on Earth. Can it, though? Like, will I get extra sunburn or, you know, feel a little extra plasma-y if I go to the beach that day? <laughs> How plasma-y do you feel on a normal day? <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the day, I guess. Just enough. That's Just called enough. Jorge weather, folks. Yeah, it, uh, it's not a big thing for you to worry about in terms of radiation. These things don't hit the earth broadly, uh, so you're very unlikely to be right in the middle of one. 
but it can cause like blackouts. Like in uh, 1989, there was a really powerful geomagnetic storm that set out a huge um, power blackout in Canada. It left 6 million people without electricity for hours. Wow. But wait, wait, why only Canada? Wouldn't it blanket the whole Earth? No, these things are not necessarily Earth-sized. It's like a, a jet of particles and just happen to hit Canada. Oh, they're like specific. They're like little laser beams. Now you're making it sound like the sun hit Canada on purpose, like the sun is anti-Canada. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I happen to be pro-Canada. I love Canada. So I'm very sensitive to any, you know, defamation of Canadian character. Yeah, no. Well, we were just accusing the sun of, of not liking Canadians in 1989. <laughs> yeah, I hope it's, you know, it's learned by, from then and it's, it's moved on. Um, yeah, and you can actually track this stuff. Like you don't have to just be ignorant and hope that the space weather is going to be good. Maybe you are Elon Musk and you're launching a satellite tomorrow and you want to know if the solar flare is coming. There are actually a lot of public resources people probably aren't aware about. All right, well, let's get into how you might predict space weather, or even if that's possible. Uh, but first, let's take a quick break. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
All right, we talked about space weather and how that's really mostly sun weather, right? And how the, it involves solar flares and solar bur- burps and vomits. And and that's because we are close to the sun, right? The sun is the biggest thing uh, nearby. If we were in the asteroid belt or something somewhere near Jupiter, then you know, Jupiter has its own weather also. It pumps out a lot of radiation. So there'd be oh, weather really? from Jupiter also. Yeah. Oh, Jovial weather. <laughs> jovial weather, not always so jovial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not as sunny, but still pretty jovial. Yeah, if you're, for example, living on the surface of Io, then you have to worry about the radiation from from uh, your Jovian planet. Exactly. Oh, wow. Because the weather in Jupiter might be churning out and burping and, and, and farting. Yeah, we know that Jupiter is not static. We can see from here that there are storms on its surface. And inside, wow. this crazy stuff happening. And so the amount of radiation that Jupiter is emitting is also varying. Now, down over here on Earth, right. we're mostly affected by the solar weather. So you're right, space weather on Earth is mostly about the sun because that's the biggest source of weather nearby. And so it might um, cause blackouts or fry our electronics or satellites. And so the question is, can we predict space weather? Can we, like, um, you know, give the satellites and the astronauts a little heads up? We're doing everything we can. You know, we love to understand the sun for lots of reasons. One is just practical. Like we need to know if our satellites are going to get blown out or protect our astronauts. And the other is it's the most important astrophysical thing nearby. And it's a huge mystery. If we understood better how the sun worked, we could understand how other stars work and how long they're going to last and how they were formed. And they're a pretty big, important feature of this incredible universe we find ourselves in. So it's a fun mystery. But we just don't understand it because we've only been studying it for, you know, 150 years or so. And it's a, literally a huge topic. I mean, but couldn't we just look at the sun and tell if something's coming our way? Because, you know, I imagine we could maybe see the flares before all of the, you know, protons and electrons hit us. Wouldn't we have some kind of warning? Yeah, well, there's two different kinds of things you can do. First of all, that's a great idea. Nobody's ever thought of that before. Actually look at the sun to try to predict it. <laughs> really? So after this call, I'm going to get on the phone with NASA and, right. and let them know your idea. A new, a new project for us. New Let's project. do it. No, there's two things we're trying to do. One is sort of ground up, understand the sun for, as a theoretical object. Do we know what's going on inside? And so can we use that to predict what's going to happen mm. on the outside? And then, you know, if we can get that model to work, we can connect it with recent events. And, and that's the best way to do it because it can give you a deeper insight and, and help you understand things in the short term and the long term. And then there's the more practical one. There's the sort of, as you suggested, we said, well, we've noticed a connection that there happens to be a coronal mass ejection a few days after a sunspot or 50% of the times after sunspots. And so you look for these patterns and try to use them to right. predict what's going to happen. It's sort of like weather on Earth used to be. Like, oh, the sky is green. Does that mean there's going to be a tornado? We're just looking for these patterns to try to <laughs> see what gives you uh, a clue as to as to what's going to happen in the next few days. I think if the sun turned green, that would be that would be a sign. <laughs> Something's going on. Yeah, what would you do if the sun turned green, Jorge? Pack your bags <laughs> and go into the basement? <laughs> I would make my tornado space movie as quickly as possible before... <laughs> Well, you've been building your strategic banana reserve for a reason. And so I guess you'd have to tap into that. And this is a, an active area of research. In fact, it was just a couple of weeks ago that we launched a whole new satellite just to study our atmosphere and the impact of solar weather. It's called ICON, and it studies the ionosphere around the Earth, this, this area of ionized particles that surrounds um, in the lower atmosphere. Okay, so there are ways that we can 
sort of predict these things and there are people looking into it. But it's still pretty un. It's a hot it's a, topic. It's hot, and um, but it sounds like we, it's still sort of we're still sort of at the mercy of the the weather. Absolutely, you know, it's hard enough to understand the weather here on Earth, and we're right in the middle of it. We can observe it in so many ways. We can take any measurement we want. We just go outside. Now, try to imagine understanding the weather on something ninety-three million miles away. You can hardly take measurements. It's much bigger. It's much more complicated. It's totally different from anything you experience. That's a much more difficult problem to solve scientifically, and it's just as complicated because the solar atmosphere and the solar surface is 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 in motion. It's churning, as you said. Yeah. So this is not something that's easy right. to do. And so it's an exciting topic. So those of you interested in helping protect a billion dollar industry every year or protect astronauts' lives or just deeply interested in like how the sun works and can we understand it, there's a, a, going to be a long future of research yeah, there. You could be the person who invents the quantum Doppler solar 3 million. <laughs> Which summons the shark tornado and ends all life on <laughs> that's Earth. That's right. Tune in at, uh, tune in at 10 o'clock. <laughs> For Daniel and Jorge, destroy the universe. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, the next time you go out there and think about the weather, maybe also leave a little room in your brain for thinking about the space weather as well and whether that might affect you when you go out. And whether it's going to be hot or not. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time. If you still have a question after listening to all these explanations, please drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Daniel and Jorge, that's one word, or email us at feedback at danielandjorge.com. Thanks for listening, and remember that Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You deserve to treat yourself. So turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.